What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Knicks fans, how you doing? It is your boy Jonathan Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. I have with me today a regular guest. I I, I just love saying that. It makes me so happy. Uh, Mike Vorkanoff of The Athletic. Um, Mike, I know you told me a second ago, but just to confirm for the many listeners out there who I'm sure care, um, how are you holding up with everything that's going on? I'm doing well. It's been a, a busy um, last two weeks in the uh, Knicks um, ecosystem, I guess. Uh, there have been a lot of hires being done by Leon Rose, who's really ramp, ramped it up, um, I don't know, since May, I guess. I don't even... I've lost track of time, so whatever. that Whatever that time period is, let's just use that as our, as our segment of, of time. Time is a flat circle, um, and it all has run together. Um, you know, I... Listen, if you're not if you're not wearing the same pair of pajamas uh, too many days in a row, then then that's all that matters uh, these days. Um, so you had, I think this was your your biggest news break. Is there one that I'm forgetting? I'm trying to think. Um, it felt like a big one yesterday. I you know I was just in working and helping out with Shan. He's the uh, star at the Athletic. I'm I'm just trying to help as much as I can. <laughs> you're, so, you're so modest. Um, so you reported that the Knicks are, um, I guess, coming closer to a timetable. Maybe is that the best way to put it on their coaching search? Um, and that one Tom Thibodeau, um, former assistant coach with the Knicks and Celtics and uh, head coach of the Bulls and uh, most recently the Timberwolves, is at the top of their list. Um I guess what uh, let's start here. What's your general impression of of the the news that you broke? Well, the, the report was from Shams and I, um, and you know what uh, we reported, and you know I, I want to give credit to Shams for leading the way here. So I'm not trying to do any of that. Um, you know what we reported was that there seems to be a process in play, and it, it seems like they'll get um, get it going in the next few weeks. There, obviously, the big. Uh, I guess question mark in all this is when the NBA season comes back into play. Um, we don't know, you know, who's going to be there yet officially. We don't know when that will be, and obviously that could be a, a bit of a um, an issue for a team looking for a new coach because if you do have to come back and play, um, who's going to coach that team? And I would think that Mike Miller coaches that team, and uh, then it would be awkward to like name a coach. While uh, I guess you have a coach in waiting, while yeah, it's a little, the, a little funky. yeah the current interim coach um, coaches out the rest of the season, so I, I think the timetable could be affected uh, by that. But that was the gist of the the reporting from yesterday. Um, I I don't know if you 
have any sense of this or if you do, whether you're at liberty to say, but do you, do you think that this will be a decision the Knicks make or do you think this will be a decision that Tom Thibodeau makes, which is to say, like, is he their guy definitively and it's basically his job to turn down or is it, you know, as of now, he is at the top of their list, but, you know, that could change pending the interview process or or do we just not know right now? I, I don't know. I can't say for certain. I mean, I saw reports. I think it was Mark Berman, the post reported that um, Houston and Brooklyn are also interested in Tibbs. Uh, if you know that's the case, then he would have options, right? Like there's obviously been a lot of smoke with Tibbs and the Knicks. Um, and so they have to go through their interview process. You know, I think there's a lot, lot of variables before the Rockets end up making uh, <laughs> a head coaching decision. Like they still have a head coach. Uh, pretty good one too. be in the playoffs. Yeah, Mike D'Antoni's a pretty damn good head coach. Um, and so, you know, if that's the case, then Tibbs might have options. And who knows what he'll find more attractive. Obviously, he's got a long-standing relationship um, with Leon Rose. And the Knicks uh, are still an attractive organization to some degree to people out there and around the league. And so um, maybe that appeals to him going to a place where he thinks he can be, um, you know, simpatico with the front office and not have to do the, the head of basketball ops thing that he did in Minnesota with the Timberwolves and just go back to coaching and he trusts Leon Rose. I, I don't know. Maybe Brooklyn, uh, uh, if that's the case, proves to be attractive to him. They have more talent at the moment. They have two stars, right? Uh, so we'll see. And we'll see. have to see what the Knicks um, process looks like. I, I think Tibbs is the leader in the clubhouse. But, you know, things have happened before and I don't want to just make it seem like it's a fait accompli. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think... As you, as Shams and you also reported, Atkinson is it, it lined up to get an interview as well. Um, obviously, when Leon Rose took the job, and I think the the Tibbs rumors first got out there, um, Kenny Atkinson was still employed, and maybe some people knew that the axe was falling there. But I, I mean, I certainly had no indication. Um, so yeah, things are changing. More stuff could change. Um, speaking of changing things. It, is there a way before we like, let's say that this hire gets made and between now and then um, we don't hear from Leon Rose and it, it is before the Knicks have a chance to make the draft pick before the Knicks have a chance to do anything in free agency. Will there be a way to even know whether or not this is a good hire? Um, you know, to which I, I think speaks to like what type of team is the coach inheriting? Like where, where do you fall on that? Uh, I don't I think it's always difficult to judge whether a coach is a good hire because that's like kind of working with imperfect information. Right. We've seen plenty of times where we think a team hires like this brand name coach and it doesn't work out or they hire someone no one has ever heard of. And it does work out extremely well. Um, I, I think just so many variables go into whether a coach has success that it's not all related to the coach himself. Like, you know, maybe Tibbs was really the guy behind all that bull success but if he doesn't have the personnel and the and the talent in new york like how good of a coach can he actually be what's the what's the record going to be at the end of the day um so i i think there's a lot of things that are going to go into determining whether the tips hire is a success, a success but i think understanding the rationale behind it would obviously be useful to um truly analyze whatever the hire eventually is if that makes sense you know and i i am absolutely in no position to know when the next time or the 
<laughs> the first time. I was about to say, yeah, the, media the, is. the first time. Um, no, I mean, you were talking about it with with Dave on the um, the Daily Ding, the Daily Ding podcast, right? That was the one you were on yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, great name for a pod, by the way. Daily Ding. They, I like that. They do a great job over there. It's I, I'm I listened to this, but I've, it's not the first episode I've listened to. It's a it's a very quality product, um, and Dave's great. Um, yeah, and you were talking about this, like, look, it's it's like a broken record at this point, but. It, you know, it's not going to go away anytime soon. We still have no idea. And I feel like the fact that this this is out there now, to me at least, speaks to like, OK, you know, this is yet another sign that the Knicks are not going to try to build this like the Nets, you know, did um, when they first hired Kenny Atkinson or, you know, maybe the Hawks are a slightly more recent example. I, are you... Are you choosing to read more into this than maybe should be read into? I I, I don't know. I, I think if they end up hiring Tom Thibodeau, I would assume that kind of signals what kind of rebuild they want to go through. Um, it I don't know. Maybe I'm completely wrong and it wouldn't be the first time, but I would be hard pressed to think that you hire Tom Thibodeau and bring back this very young roster that they've had the last few years um, to some degree, and then try to, you know, and not try to, but essentially go through another like top 10 lottery pick type of season. Right. I, I would I would think that um, if Tibbs wants the job, you, you discuss all this through the process, obviously through the hiring process and, and that uh, it points to kind of being a little more competitive sooner than later. And um and trying to, I don't, I don't know what that means for like the 2020, 21 season, but maybe that's a putting together a team that could, um, hunt a playoff spot again. You know the mechanics obviously are hard to predict, but I would think if we're like trying to figure out what each what each coaching hire could potentially mean, I, I would think that if they go with Tom Thibodeau, um, they're not trying to go through another five year process type of thing or a three year process. I was about to, I was about to say, when's the last time any process here has lasted more than I I'm, I shudder to say something beyond one year. I mean it, that, but you know. That's well, when's the last time a coach had more than two years? Uh, yeah, other. I mean, D'Antoni, you you brought his name up before, and that was even. I think that was um, Kenny Atkinson was there in the system for that. I think that was oh eight to like twenty twelve. Yeah, he made it three and a half years, and that was that was even weird because it was, you know, he they the only he was coming off you know, being, I, I think when they hired D'Antoni, not to get too off track, but I, I think you could argue that he was considered a top three head coach in the league at the time, maybe top five at worst. Um, and it was with the, well, he was under- a guy behind the seven seconds or less sons. Like he, I, he was a hugely successful, um, coach. It's kind of weird following, like following the, um, track of his career has been interesting because he has that, like, I think the Suns were probably the best team not to win a title I agree. over the last 20 years or so. Yeah. Um, and he was the head coach there and he, you know, helped make Steve Nash to a two-time NBA MVP. And then he goes to the Knicks and it obviously didn't work out well in the end, even though he got them to the playoffs. And then I think like he went to the he went to the Lakers for a season, I want to say, and then after yeah. that, he he couldn't even get a head coaching job for a while. He had he was an assistant with the 76ers before uh, the Rockets hired him. So I, I think that was kind of an interesting inflection point for his career too, um, and, and just what it meant for him. Well, and it goes to show with a guy like Tib- like you you said it before, like what worked for Tibbs in Chicago 
what, you know, how many of the ingredients, so to speak, need to be the same to replicate that situation. Um, and, you know, to draw an analogy with his more recent stop in Minnesota, you know, it's funny. We, we talk about this idea of like, does it mean they're going to go more vet heavy? Does it mean they're going to, you know, go for more of a rebuild? I went back and look at his first year in Minnesota. And I honestly, I, I didn't realize this was the case, but there were three 21 year olds, Levine, Wiggins mm-hmm. and, and Carl Anthony Towns, all of whom averaged 37 minutes a game. And two of them played 82 yeah. games. And Levine obviously had the, I think it was the ACL. Um, I could, couldn't you see a scenario next year where let's say, you know, RJ Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, and, you know, for argument's sake, let's say LaMelo Ball, um, those three guys get, you know, a ton of attention, a ton of usage, a ton of minutes, and then they're surrounded by, you know, whatever the best guys they could get on one year deals are, or maybe they do swing a trade. Like, what would that be considered? Would that be considered development? Would that be considered, like, I don't even know. Yeah, and I think it's not easy to like always just attach a label to something. And I think like where he was in Minnesota, he obviously took that job knowing that he had this young talent on the roster that he had to develop and bring out. Um, and that probably made it attractive to some degree as well. And so it's not like he won't play the young guys. Um, it's just who you put around them, right? And I think I don't I don't really think it's crazy to say, but like the 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 players that the Knicks have in the organization right now don't have the pedigree and the talent that Andrew Wiggins, former number one pick, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, former number one pick, and Zach Levine, um, first round pick who ended up getting an $80 million second contract. Yeah, highly touted. Right? Like, that matters. Um, you know, and if you look at by a second year, you know, Wiggins and Cat were still there, but then he also had Taj Gibson, Jeff Teague, Jamal Crawford, yeah. uh, and Jimmy Butler playing major minutes for him. And Derrick Rose came in too at some point. So, like, he started to filling that roster out uh, with veterans as they got to be closer to the playoffs after swinging that Jimmy Butler trade. So I don't know. Like, I, I don't think it necessarily means like next season, if they hire Tom Thibodeau, they're just going to hire, uh, going to sign like 10, 30 year olds and make that work. But I think it'll be an interesting, uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how they then try to mix their young talent uh, with veterans and try to be competitive more um, in the short term. And then also it, it'll show us which of the young players on the roster they have, they truly believe in and, and which ones maybe they're not as uh, bullish for on their future. Yeah. Um, and you know, to that end, I read your, your great piece with, um, uh, Seth Partnow recently and you know, he, he calls it like it is. And this is, I think I'm sure this is, that is something that a lot of Knicks fans were did not want to hear, but like, there's no one, there's no one on the roster that you could be like, Oh, this is a definite 100% piece of the puzzle. Like whatever you think of Carl Anthony Towns, whether you think his defense is ever going to be serviceable or enough to like compete for a championship or not, like they were the minute they drafted him, you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. You weren't diverting from that, that course. Whereas with the Knicks, I don't know is, you know, would it shock you if three years from now there wasn't a single player on the roster that's on the roster today? I, Maybe RJ is the only one, but even him, like, I don't know. I No, and I think part of what happens in Minnesota, too, is the ownership structure there seems to be different in that Glenn Taylor does show loyalty um, to players on the roster, to people in the in the organization as well, right? Like, he gave $158 million to Andrew Wiggins at a time when Andrew Wiggins did not play like he deserved a, a max extension coming off his rookie contract, right? We haven't even seen the Knicks get a rookie 
uh, extended for 25 years or whatever it's been. 26, I think. Um, well, so 26 you know, since Ward. Yeah, since Ward was drafted. So, yeah, it's, it's been a while. Oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry. <laughs> since Charlie Ward was drafted. Uh, so it's 22 years. Um, but whatever. Many, what, what, whatever many of our listeners is. were not alive at the time they last handed a contract extension. Right. So, I mean, all that comes into play. And and no, I like, would I be completely shocked if no one from this current roster is there in three, four years? No, I wouldn't be. I would be surprised, though. You know, you would think that RJ Barrett, uh, they'd want to make him a part of the long term plan for this uh, franchise. Mitchell Robinson, you know, I think there's some divisiveness over Frank Nilakina. Uh, Kevin Knox is two years in, but he's still young. Maybe that his career starts to go another way um, next season. And who knows what they have in Ignaz Brestakis. And, you know, I'm just running through the young guys now. But, like, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I, you know, a lot of that is what you have to figure out while you're hiring a coach. And also uh, what the coach thinks of your plan. And maybe he can sway you in one way or another, too, depending on what his rationale is. Yeah, um, I think that's well said. Um, you know, I think the thing with Tibbs is, that you know, obviously the narrative I mean, and maybe I shouldn't even use that that word about him playing, you know, players a lot of minutes. It it seems like almost there's a counter narrative at this point that like less should be made of that. You wrote about this a few months ago. I, I cited that piece in my newsletter today. And where is how valid a concern do you think that should be if they hire him? Uh, sorry, just repeat that question the, one more time. So, sure. The the concern over him playing guys too many minutes. Um, I, do you think that should be a valid concern, or do you? Th- I mean, he seems to be pretty blunt about the fact that, like, look, you play. You know, any coach is going to play their best guys the most minutes. Um, he, I, it, to me, that's an organizational decision, and I, you know, that of all the things that scared me about Tibbs, like that's not one of them. Do you think that that should frighten fans if he ends up being the guy? Um, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say, like you look at what happened in Chicago, obviously there was a number of traumatic injuries that came out of that, right? Like Derek Rose, uh, Joakim Noah, Luau Dang. Um, and, but it's hard to like say, you know, the proximate cause was Tom Thibodeau playing them. 35 to 40 minutes every night, right? Tosh Gibson is still going at 34 years old too. And he was there for that, for that period. And Minnesota, you know, Cat is fine. Andrew Wiggins is fine. Zach Levine obviously tore his ACL while playing in Minnesota. Um, so that's kind of a 33% injury rate is kind of high. Oh, but um, you'd like to avoid that. Um, but I don't know. It, it is, a, it, you know, it, I, the thing with injuries is it's like, it's really hard, I think, um, to be able to say with full confidence about stuff like that, because we in the media don't have the full information, right? It's more than just minutes. You know, workload comes into practice, comes into everything they're doing around games and practices. You know, they have a lot of teams have heart monitors. A lot of teams are doing blood testing now. They're doing, there are different ways to measure workload. So I, I can't say with full confidence, that like, you know, if they play 35 minutes a night, you know, they're probably screwed. They're going to, you know, he's going to blow his knee out. Like, it's just not that simple. And, you know, different players are able to maintain different amounts of workload. Right. Um, but it should be something that they monitor and it's something they should have an organizational plan for and individualize it player to player. Right. I think that's kind of what should be the, um, the operating theory going forward. And I, I don't know. I, and that's why it's kind of just rambling a little bit. It's just, I don't know what to say about it. Like, sure. There've been a lot of injuries under Tibbs and I think that's the reputation that he has, 
And you definitely want to be careful with young players, especially. And I think this was a conversation we had with RJ Barrett in like November when David Fizdale was playing well a bunch of minutes right yeah um, and he eventually did get hurt but are you saying that the ankle sprain that he had was as a result of all the injury uh, all the minutes that he logged earlier in the season i don't know I, I think there's some thought that all that wear and tear eventually does lead to injury eventually but i it's just hard to connect one to one to the other definitively but the knicks should have an idea of what they want to do with all these um players and they should have you know a bunch of evidence at the ready to back that up yeah, I mean, obviously, like you referenced when we started, uh, Leon Rose has had a busy last several weeks. It, it would be nice if maybe before next season there was a news item that came across the board about the Knicks hiring someone to, you know, spearhead a, a sports science department. I mean, you know, I'm sure they have someone there now who maybe does that type of thing, but I don't know. Um, it, my, my um, view or my my uh, my guess from the outside looking in is that that is that is not an area that they are at the forefront of. Have you have you heard anything otherwise or, do, you know, is am I do you think I'm correct? I, I again, it's hard to say just because I don't know what all the other teams are doing. I mean, they're doing some interesting stuff, you know, like the blood testing is. Um, something that seems to be only a few teams are doing, right? They I yeah, have players sometimes that. wearing heart monitors after practice. I, I think that the nature of that change, I think in the last CBA that became voluntary and teams couldn't mandate it. So it became a player to player type of thing. Um, I, I can't say for certain, cause I don't know what everyone else is doing, right? We hear what we hear about. Sometimes that's the team just kind of pushing out what they're doing. And so they want it to be known. Sometimes teams are doing really smart things or really poor things. We just don't know about it. Yeah. Um, so I can't say for certain where the Knicks are across the league in that regard. Um, I don't want to keep you too long. So one more before I get you out of here. I I wrote today, and this is kind of my overall opinion, is that if they hire Tibbs, it seems to me that they are hiring, you know, less of the X's and O's guy and, and less even about the New York connections. But it's more like, they feel they need a guy with some gravitas um, to, I guess, command the locker room, so to speak. I mean, I, I referenced, you know, talking to Taj Gibson one day after a game um, this year and how, he, you know, uh, Ian was asking him about his experience with Tibbs and whether he thought Tibbs could still coach in the league. And he just talked about him with such reverence, um, like a guy, like clearly a guy like, guys were willing to run through a brick wall for him. Um, do you think that that the notion that that type of coach is necessary can like, can have that big of an impact? Do you think that's overblown or do you think just from your time covering the sport and from talking to people that there is something to having a coach with, you know, a certain type of personality that if you get the right guys on the team, um, who are willing to put in the work, he will up your your output level, so to speak, you know, that that much more. Yeah, I think uh, coaches can help in that, that regard. I think um, I don't think necessarily like that having a resume is always the great decider in, in that. Like I think of guys like Nick Nurse who came in as, you know, quote unquote, nobodies and like won a title and also just showed that they're really good at what they do and help establish the type of culture and organizational philosophy that um, that their employers wanted 
right? And we've seen other coaches come in and just it doesn't work, even though they've had success elsewhere. Uh, I, I think if Tibbs can connect with the players um, and he has a good system in place that can maximize their output, yeah, that would be good. But I don't think like it's necessary. I think that's a, a person-to-person, coach-to-coach uh, type of situation. It's hard to generalize. And I, for me, um, I'd be more interested to know what type of offensive and defensive uh, systems he wants to play uh, as much as the type of personality that he is, because I think that can help a player improve. Um, that can help a player play better than they have before if you put them in a position to succeed. And if they play in a way um, that makes the Knicks, you know, I, I don't want to say like on trend with the rest of the league, but at least not lagging behind <laughs> I, the rest of the league and how they're playing. I think that's a f- more than a fair term. I was going to say modern. Um, would would he be your it's guy? Not even modern. I just, I just, you know, it's, would he be my guy? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't really I don't really know because I don't know who all the people are involved. Um, I think and I've been saying this for a while, too, is just like, uh, you know, one of the interesting things I thought about the front office hires was um, who knew that the first like who knew about Brock Oller before um, the Knicks ended up hiring Brock Oller. Right. We didn't know all the connections that Leon Rose had around the league. We know that he has one with Tom Thibodeau, but I I don't know who else. What other coaches he knows around the league and who might become candidates for the job or at least get interviews for the job and then you can have when you have the full spectrum of options you can kind of say okay i think this guy might be best suited for it uh um so i like it i don't really want to say would he be my guy because i just don't know all the options available for him that's fair but i i think yeah i think there's upsides and i think there's downsides to tibbs and it's gonna be interesting to see how uh the knicks assess all that and i think you know at some point maybe leon rose will talk to the media and to the fans (laughs) And explain what his philosophy is for basketball and what he wants to do with the Knicks. And, and then we'll have a better understanding of how whoever the coach is fits in with that. Right. I, I think it's got to be kind of a top down approach. I um, I bet you I think you said it last time you were on. I bet you the last I agree with you. I think the next time that will or the, not the next time, the first time that we'll hear from him will be when this hire gets made. Um, uh, I, I think so. I mean, I. Probably depending on what the order is for the draft and the season and the off season and all that type of stuff. See, I'm the worst kind of guest for a podcast because I kind of always uh, try to equivocate a little bit and not speak in definitives because I just don't see the world that way. I'm the same way. That's why I love you. Um, and, yeah. And so I, I don't know, but I would, I would guess so, right? If we're going to follow, you know, if they bring the season back in mid-July or whatever, and then the Knicks aren't a part of it um, and then they have the draft. Oh God, I don't know when that is. But yeah, you know, if the draft is like in September, then I would think I would think that then after they make their head higher, their head coaching higher, um, we could hear from Leon Rose and he can kind of introduce himself to some degree. Well, um, hopefully I will see you or hear you at at what I would imagine would be a a virtual press conference. I, I I don't know how that would go. Seems legit. I mean, that seems to be the safest way to do this type of thing. Zoom. Um zoom calls and all that type of stuff i don't know I, you know it's like so hard to predict any of this because i have no idea and no one really does what the world will look like in july and what the state of uh the coronavirus pandemic will be in july so i have no idea yeah um we'll we'll all continue to keep our fingers crossed um mike it is always a pleasure i'm sorry if i kept you too long um but uh you what can i say you're interesting to talk to um can you uh remind everybody Listening, I mean, if they don't know where to find you now, I feel genuinely bad for them at this point. But just in case, could you could you remind folks where to find you? 
Yeah, you can find me at The Athletic. I cover the Knicks. And uh, I, I hope, thank you to everyone who is subscribing. And if you haven't, come give us a try. I think there's a free trial offer of some sort as well. So if you've been on the fence, now's a good time to jump in. Uh, I think things will start to get really interesting for the Knicks and the NBA in the next few months. I was about to say in the next few days, uh, but yeah. days, <laughs> hours. I don't know. Things move quickly now. Life comes at you fast, indeed. Um, yeah, please, if you're listening to this and you're not reading Mike, I, I don't know what you what you're doing. Um, go go subscribe to the Athletic. I, I it's really not a lot of money, and you're going to get uh, your your money's worth and and then some. Uh, Mike, you're the man. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, yeah, I'm sure I'll talk to you again very soon, man. Thanks for having me on, man. All right, be well. Yeah.